0: So um, we're going to um, finish the prayer series today. So this, has been, this has been a great series. I've really enjoyed uh, talking about. It. I know lots of other people have been involved in in talking about it as well. Um, it's our twelfth our twelfth week uh, talking about prayer, and it's amazing how much stuff you get out of prayer. Okay, isn't it? I'm just talking about prayer, all the different angles that are on on prayer. Because remember, the reason we're talking about this is about building a culture of prayer and changing changing the culture of the church. So we have a culture where, where prayer is really, not, not that we've not ever really prioritized prayer in the past, I'm not saying that's the, the reality, but but we want to just re-emphasize emphasize that, that prayer is incredibly important, yeah. that God wants us to pray, that, our, that God wants his house, because ultimately the church is his, amen? Yeah. It's not, it doesn't belong to any any people, that Jesus Is Jesus is the head of the church. And he says, you know, Matthew 21 verse uh, 12 is written, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer. Amen. And we talked, about that, we talked about the different angles of that, that ourselves as individuals, we should see ourselves as a house of prayer, that I will be a house of prayer. Amen. And also corporately, we see ourselves as a house of prayer. Amen. It's not just our personal, personal prayer life, our, our, our prayer life with our church family in kind of corporate prayer. That we will be a house of prayer too, and we have lots of opportunities as a church to to pray in lots of different uh, ways um, going on uh, going on during the week. So um, i encourage you to get involved with those. Amen. So to come towards the end, to come to the end of the prayer series, and today we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. Oh, spiritual warfare, oh, exciting. Spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare, <laughs> awesome. That's going to be good. Um, you know, this is an integral part of of prayer, and I think it's one of these subjects. I think sometimes it can be misunderstood, um, or confused, or people go to extremes on, or, or people just ignore completely. Well, that's not helpful either. Okay, it is actually really, it is actually really important uh, to talk about this stuff. What does what does this actually mean? What do, what, do, what do we mean by spiritual warfare? What, what, what's this war, what's this war all about? What, what does that mean? Okay, so we just kinda kind of gradually unpack that and and talk about what it means, what it means for us prayer life. Amen. Praise God! Everyone ready? Ready taking notes. Yeah. Excellent. So spiritual warfare. So um, I think I've probably mentioned this before, but I always find this interesting when, I've re- when I read the Old and New Testament. The kind of there's a, and obviously there's lots of differences between the Old and the New Testament. But one thing that's really, really evident is that there's a real dynamic change that happens when Jesus enters, enters um, the earth in terms of what kind of happens in the heavenlies. Has no anyone else kind of picked up on this? And what I mean by that is kind of in the, in the Old Testament, kind of spiritual warfare and what's going on in heaven isn't actually really mentioned that much. There are parts of Daniel who talk about it, and it talks about some, some wars going on between, or battles going on between angels. and, and um, But there isn't actually that much that's said, and, and demons are barely mentioned at all, and kind of demonic stuff. There are little, little aspects uh, here and there, and witchcraft is mentioned um, in, in different different places. People who'd got involved in bad stuff is kind of kind of here and there. But it's a ge- it's a general thing. It's not really that mentioned that much. But kind of then when when Jesus comes on the scene, as we're we're talking about, you know, at this time of the year as we celebrate celebrate Christmas, Jesus becoming Emmanuel, God with us. When Jesus turns up on the scene, it's like there's this huge dynamic <laughs> dynamic shift that takes place, isn't there? Because suddenly. Jesus is kind of walking along, and there's confrontation with demons here, there, and everywhere. There's a a huge change, isn't there, that happens here. Now, we shouldn't really be surprised by that, because the Son of God himself was walking on the face of the earth. And what's really interesting, isn't it, is the demons all knew full well who Jesus was. It was actually the religious leaders who were confused, and, and didn't really get it, or they didn't agree, or they were jealous, or whatever their context might have been. But The demons knew full well who Jesus was. We haven't got time to look at all the scriptures this morning. And because uh, they, they would talk to Jesus, weren't they? It's like, oh, have you come to torture us? Why, why, why have you come here, Son of God? They only knew full well who he was. And, and, and this is the reality of the spiritual world that we live in. We should not—we've we got nothing to fear. We've got nothing to, to worry about. We've got nothing to be anxious about. We're on the winning side. Amen. Okay. But, but the world we live in—the is, is, spiritual world that we're a part of—is very, very real. In fact, it's more real than what we can even see with our own physical eyes, or so the five senses that God's, you know, given us as human beings, to, you know, to taste and smell and touch and hear, and what's the other one? See? <laughs> that's the other one. Yeah, that's five. You know, there's five physical senses that God's given us, and that's kind of how And this amazing computer that God's given us in our head called our brain. That's how we make sense of the world, isn't it? We, we use those five senses, and that's how we make sense of everything. Okay? But the spiritual world is far more real even than that. Amen? 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17 to 18 Paul writes this for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all so we fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal so what is seen is created was unseen is eternal. God Himself is eternal. He just is. Someone, no one created God. He He just is. He's a great I Am, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's always been, and He always He always will be. Operates outside of time and space. He's not constrained by any of the things that we're constrained by. That's who God is. Amen. And the spiritual world is very, very real, more real than what we can see with our own eyes. Now, Paul here is encouraging us to to fix our eyes on the spiritual, to fix our eyes on Jesus. And and this is kind of like a little side <laughs> side message in itself. But you know, we, that's one thing we should do. But also, it, it very much changes our perspective on our kind of momentary troubles. You know, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, isn't it? We fix, you know, sometimes I think about, you know, when we're going to be in heaven. And I, I don't actually know what we'll think about our life on earth when we're in heaven. Because maybe we'll just be so overawed. We just kind of won't we'll ever think about it at all. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out when we get there, won't we? But, but if, we, if we are kind of thinking about our life on earth, um, sometimes I think, you know, you know, we're going to think, why in the world did I used to worry about that? Yeah. Well, here I am in the presence of God Almighty, and and you know, and going to be here forever, just just worshiping and praising Him in the glory of uh, in the glory of and um, uh, perfection of heaven. And why did I used to worry about how I was going to pay my bills? Why did I used to worry about when I had a cold? You know, why did I worry about this it was this family issue that I had? And don't get me wrong, they can be very real issues—not belittling any of these issues—but you know what I mean. But it's about perspective change. So that make sense. This is why we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, fix our eyes on the spiritual, on what is unseen, because what is seen is temporary, even our life on, on earth itself, in, in this physical tent, as Paul describes it, uh, the, the body that we live in, even that's temporary, isn't it? But the unseen, the spirit, a spirit man of who we are, is, is eternal, will live forever. Amen? Now, the spiritual realm is so, is so real. Ephesians 6, verse 10 and 12, well-known, well-known scriptures. Again, Paul writes this, Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We'll come back to the armor of God later in the message. This is a bit I really want to focus on at this stage. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our struggle in life, and sometimes life can feel like a bit of a struggle as as a Christian, but ultimately, it's not against flesh and blood. I'm not fighting against people. But it says, it says our fight or our battle is against the rulers, it's against authorities, it's against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in, in the heavenly realms. That's why when Jesus came on the scene, suddenly everything was basically, spiritually, it was just kicking off, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it? And ultimately, it was obvious that that was going to happen, because that was this kind of supernatural struggle, the spiritual struggle that was going on in the heavenlies. And suddenly, the Son of God is, you know, there, manifesting in, in human form on the earth, and, and suddenly demons and spiritual forces are, are totally reacting to him. And of course, it was spiritual forces that want, wanted Jesus wanted Jesus dead. You know, we have to remember this in the context of the cross. And also we've taken communion this morning, is, is, is the devil and, his, and his, his friends, if you want to call them that, or you know, the spiritual forces, they did not understand what Jesus was going to do through the cross. They didn't get it. I mean you have to remember the fact that and be encouraged by this reality, the devil is not all knowing. Yeah. In fact, you know, there are five main attributes a bit of theology here for you, but it's important for us to understand this. There are five main attributes of God. You know, he's omniscient, he he knows everything. He's omnipotent, he's all powerful, he's immutable, he never changes, he's eternal, he's always been and he always will be, and he's omnipresent, so he can be everywhere at once. Those are the five kind of main attributes of God. Kind of in a theological definition. Okay, but the devil does not have any of those five attributes. You know, he's not immutable. He's he's always changing. He's a deceiver. He loves deceiving people. He's a liar and a father of lies, as Jesus' own words. So he's always changing. He's not—he's not eternal because he's a created angel, right? He was Lucifer, an angel in heaven, as what the Bible describes as us. He's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at once. He's not omniscient. He's not all knowing, and he's certainly not all powerful. He's not omnipotent either. So the devil does not have any of the characteristics of of God. Amen. And, and the devil is not all-knowing. If the devil had understood the cross, he would have done everything to stop Jesus from getting there. That's the reality, isn't it? He would have done everything to stop that from happening. You know, but the devil and, it's, and, it's, and the powers of this dark world, the spiritual forces, they thought they'd won. They thought they'd they've killed the Son of God. They thought they'd had the ultimate ultimate victory. But, of course, God had a greater plan. Amen? A greater plan behind it all to defeat the, the power of sin and death and, and the enemy himself. Amen? We'll kind of come on to that a bit more in a second. So, anyway, so Paul describes it here it's the rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world and spiritual forces of evil. Now, I read a book recently, it was kind of just, just challenged some of my thinking, a Christian book um, called God Has a Name. I don't know if anyone else has read it by John uh, Mark Homer, who's written a number of books, um, Christian books. And kind of the premise of the book is, is talking about, it basically unpacks who Yahweh is. And there's lots of names for God, obviously. Uh, but Yahweh is kind of like the. the, the the, the kind of the main name in that sense, who describes who he is, Yahweh, which in English, well, the NRV describes it as Lord, Lord God Almighty. You know, that's who God is. And what he talks about in, in the book, which is really interesting, is about kind of like in spiritual forces and what's going on in terms of other faiths or other religions. It's kind of like when, when, when someone lets us I'm not going to pick on religions, okay, but I'm just going to use it as an example. When someone, um, if someone prays to Allah, for example, if they're Muslim, what are they actually praying to? Are they praying to nothing? Because sometimes we think, well, all these other gods, they're just, they're just dead. They're, they're nothing. They're, they're zero. They're just idols. They're rubbish. Well, um, and what's the premise of this book, and it kind of really changed my thinking, and I think he's right, is actually they absolutely are praying to something. Yeah. When, when people pray to Allah, they're praying to something. When Hindus pray to their thousands and thousands of gods, they absolutely are praying to something. Because sometimes stuff happens, right? Sometimes dark stuff is happening. people are involved with the cult, they're not, they're not praying to nothing, are they? They're not worshipping nothing. They're worshipping the devil himself. Even if they don't understand, that's what's happening. That's the reality, right? So we, under, so we need to understand that. The kind of other religions that, that, are, that are going on, people are praying, whether they know it knowingly or not, don't know. Sometimes they, do, sometimes they might do, sometimes they probably don't. But they're praying to authorities. They're praying to spiritual forces um, of evil. They're praying, they're praying to the powers of this dark world. And that kind of changes your perspective about how other religions work. Right And kind of what's going on in the spiritual realm so obviously they're not they're not gods, they're not anywhere near God's level he's Yahweh, he's Lord God Almighty or Lord of hosts, as King James calls it, right, but they are apparently spiritual forces, like I said, whether they know it or not, it kind of changes your perspective about what's going on, okay, but the good news is is that we have total authority in Christ that Jesus has won. Total authority. Now, we haven't got time to unpack all this because it would take you know, kind of be a whole series in itself. Kind of like authority in the Bible and how that, how it's changed over time. And but of course, we know how, how Adam and Eve were deceived, the original humans that God created were deceived, and you know, they've been given dominion over the earth. And because they were deceived, you know, the authority was stolen by Satan through deception, right? So that's what happened there, the spiritual authority was kind of stolen. By saying, obviously, ultimately, God was still in charge. Of course, that's true. okay. But the authority that, that mankind had give, been given was stolen through deception. right? I even agree? Yeah. Right? But what's so amazing is that God, of course, had an ultimate plan through the cross to win back that authority for us. And that's, that's what Jesus did. He won, he won total victory. Through the cross, the number of scriptures that talk about the first, the first Adam, and how how Jesus as a second Adam had to rectify, you know, uh, you know what the first Adam had done, for that for that authority to be won back for us, for that, for that legal authority that the devil or his hordes had over uh, over over a human human race or over us our lives, you know, that has been defeated once and for all. Amen. I'm glad about that this morning. Paul writes this Colossians two verse thirteen to fifteen. This was Jesus' ultimate victory, amen, to reclaim the authority. Not, not that God ever lost any authority, but to reclaim the authority for us. Does that make sense? Okay? The authority that Adam and Eve had given away through deception. You reclaimed that authority for us. Amen. Jesus, it says, it's Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities. Remember, they didn't, they didn't know, they didn't understand the cross. They weren't all knowing, they didn't, didn't get what was happening there. I genuinely think it was a surprise to them when Jesus rose from the dead. Like, oh, we did not see that coming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this kind of, this changes things. Right? Jesus disarmed the power and authorities, so any kind of legal right that the devil had over the human race, that, that legal right has been broken. Or, for, or at least for those of us who are believers who have accepted that reality, what Jesus has done on the cross, that, that legal right has been broken completely. You know, the devil has no right to do anything in your life. I do mean that. He literally has no... I don't mean he won't try. And maybe some stuff in your life going on right now you might be battling with. But the devil has no spiritual legal right to do anything in your life if you're a child of God this morning, if you're, if you're a believer. Amen? Amen? You know, we are part of the winning kingdom. Amen? Colossians 1, verse 13 to 14. One of my favorite verses, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins—we brought out the dominion of darkness. Remember, it's not the kingdom of darkness. The devil is not the king of anything. He, he says he goes around like a roaring lion. He tries to pretend he's the king or he's in charge, right? But he's not the king of, any, of anything. He's not even the king of darkness, right? It's a dominion of darkness, and and we've been brought out of that dominion into the kingdom of the Son He loves. We're on the winning side, Amen. We're now under the authority of of the King, you know, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is our boss. For on the winning side. Amen. And because of that, Satan has no legal authority over our lives. He has no right to do anything in your lives. This is where spiritual warfare comes in. But it's really important for us to kind of get to this kind of foundation of understanding. This: the devil has no right to do anything in your life. He will bombard you, will bombard your thoughts. He you may try and contrive circumstances. He may work in trying try and, uh, people, get people in your life to annoy you or to wind you up or, or whatever the circumstances might be. Might try and bring sickness into your life, but he has no right to do anything. And we just have to remind him of that—that reality, right? The devil just needs reminding of his truth. I heard someone say once. I think it's a great—it's not actually in scripture, but it's absolutely true. Um, You know, when the devil starts trying to remind you of your past, just remind him of his future. You know, and when he starts trying to rake up stuff from your past, (laughs) remind him what his future is going to be, which is going to be in the lake of fire forever at the final judgment, as the Bible uh, tells us in Revelation. Amen. But we're now under the authority of the King. Amen. 1 John 4, verse 4 John writes, You dear, dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. This is why we don't need to, to fear anything. We don't need to fear darkness. We don't need to fear any spiritual, uh, spiritual stuff that's going on that's, that's not good. You know, we live in, in an area where there is a lot of spiritual stuff that goes on that's not good. We don't live in a very multicultural area. Uh, in the same way the city would be very multicultural okay so there's not kind of lots of other religions in this area but there is but the, what there definitely is, is is a is a, is a, a kind of real deep rooted paganism i don't know if was picked up on this of witchcraft and, and, and stuff um, and you know and it definitely goes on um, so in this in area this and you know and the reality is man we don't need to fear any of this stuff we just need to have our, our spiritual eyes opened is, is there a spiritual force in this area that would not want us to succeed as Christians? And there are spiritual forces in this area who would not want us to succeed as a church? This is, this is, let's be real about this stuff, right? And that's not just about us as a church. there would be other churches across the area. There are spiritual forces in this area that are literally operating. There will be people who are operating in this stuff that don't want us to succeed as a church. Well, uh, uh, will be spiritually trying to work against us. But we don't need to fear anything because we're on the winning side. We just have to walk in the authority that we've been given. Amen? Hopefully this is really helping you this morning. Okay? And let's be people that don't ever let the enemy in to our lives. Amen? So, so often as Christians, I'm not judging anyone, you know, I'm not speaking to myself more than anybody else. You know, so often as Christians, we can just be so passive in life. I think it's a real trap that we can fall into. You know, the way, the way I kind of look at it, the way I describe it is it's the difference between being a proactive Christian and being a reactive Christian. What I mean by that is too many Christians, are just they just react to what happens to them. They react to what, to what happens in their lives. So what God wants us to do is to be proactive, amen, to, to walk in the authority that God has given us. It's not, it's not our authority, absolutely, that's true. It's God's authority, all the glory is his. It's his authority, not ours. We've done nothing except accept it, right? But we can walk in that authority that he's that he is delegated to us. Amen? Let's not be passive Christians where we just sit back and just let stuff happen to us. Let's take authority. The devil has no right, remember, to do anything in your life. Nothing. And re- remind him of that. Amen? Amen? Praise God. My notes are going everywhere. Awesome. Now, as a church, we talk loads about the Great Commission. I just want to say some stuff about, about authority here. So Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19, this is in the Amplified Version. It says this, Jesus approached, and breaking the silence, he said to his disciples, All authority or all power of rule in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go then and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus makes this declaration of, of truth here, of spiritual truth, of what is he's done. This, remember, this is just after, the, just, before the, sorry, just after the resurrection, just before the ascension, just before Jesus returned to heaven. But the last thing is recorded that he said, all authority in heaven and earth, all power of rule in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is what I've accomplished through the cross. This is, this is what I've done. All authority is now mine. All spiritual forces, every dominion of darkness, they, ha- they have no spiritual authority. They will try and claim it, but they have no right to do anything. All authority is mine. And then he says, "All authority on heaven has been given to me. Go then." Right, the next verse, remember, remember, the Bible isn't written in verses. This is just to help us to find stuff. <laughs> we have to remind ourselves of that reality. Sometimes we kind of think, "And oh, then Jesus went on to verse 19. <laughs> this this wasn't reading out numbers, right? We have to remember that. This, all it is is to help us find bits of the Bible. Okay, in the original Hebrew and Greek, there is no numbers in it at all. Nothing. Okay, we've just added this to help us find stuff. Remember, so we have to, you have to read it in the context of everything that's being said together, don't you? So, all authority, all power of rule in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go then. And it's not coincidence that Jesus said that. What he was saying is when you go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you go in that same authority, that authority that we be given to him. He's won back through the cross and his death and resurrection. We go then in that authority. Amen. And you see that throughout the book, book of Acts. And the apostles, I uh, wonder if it's just kind of at this stage, finally, the kind of the penny dropped of the reality of what Jesus did. Do you remember when, when Jesus rose from the dead, the, the disciples were shocked? Although, disciples, although Jesus said over and over again, that's what he was going to do. They didn't, they didn't really get it. They didn't really understand the reality of, of what was going on. And, it, the, you know, we talked about the, the forces of evil thinking they'd won. The disciples all thought they'd lost. When Jesus was arrested, they, said they all they legged they it. They all fled. And, and, and they were terrified. They didn't understand the reality of what, what Jesus was doing. And, 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 when, and when he rose from the dead, as I said, they, they were shocked at the time. So I, I think I wonder if it, at this moment this is where the penny kind of finally dropped the reality of what Jesus had done. To go then in, in authority. You see, you see that right, right throughout the book of Acts. Acts 3 is a great example of this. Verse, verse 1. One day Peter and John, that's the two of the disciples of Jesus. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from him. And the guys, all the guy is after his money. He's not, even after healing. he's not even after a miracle here, right? He's just, he's He's begging. This is reality. Verse 6. Then Peter says, Silver and gold I do not have. What I do give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. You know, this, this was the disciples walking in that authority that Jesus had given him. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go then and make disciples of all nations. Go in that same authority. Not, as I said earlier, it's not our authority, it's absolutely Jesus' authority. It's not, it's not ours. Amen. But we go in that name of Jesus Christ as Nazareth. Now, we can walk in authority in the spiritual world that we're in because of the name of Jesus. Amen? This delegated authority that he's given us. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5 says this. For though Paul writes this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So, so we're fighting, Paul said this earlier about, or in a different passage in Ephesians about our battles not against flesh and blood and, and kind of unpacks us a bit more. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. We can demolish strongholds. You know, prayer itself is a spiritual weapon. is where prayer, kind of bring it all together. Prayer itself is a spiritual weapon. Amen. And when we pray, are we praying in the authority of the name of Jesus? Are we praying kind of passive prayers? Or please, and, don't get, and I'm not belittling any type of praying, okay? But I'm just, just to kind of hear me out. You know, so often we can pray passive prayers. Like, oh, please, Jesus. Oh, please help me. You know, some, some of you do need those kind of prayers. You don't know what else to pray. Okay? But, but I think there's a real difference in that. But praying in the authority now, in the name of Jesus, I speak over my situation. I speak over my, over my family. My family, maybe some of your family members have gone away from God. Maybe there's the spouses that you're, you're believing for to be saved. Amen? And maybe you've had to be incredibly patient in that, and, and God totally understands that. But what I'd encourage you to do is just keep declaring that in authority in the name of Jesus. Amen? That no spiritual spiritual force of darkness or anything else is going to be able to hold them back from, from the kingdom of God. Amen? If there's, if there's sickness in your life, and there can be all sorts of, you know, all sorts of teaching that's sometimes a bit off the wall, uh, about healing, and, and probably Wendy's. I haven't actually listened to Wendy's message from last week yet. I will do. She says, no, I haven't listened to it yet. Anyway, I will do. Okay. But sometimes you get some off-key off, off key teaching on this, and sometimes it's like, oh, well, that person just didn't have enough faith. and That's just really it's, really, it's just so unhelpful, isn't it? Okay. Sometimes we don't always understand why things happen or why things take a while. But what I'm encouraging you to do is, is to walk in spiritual authority. Remember, the devil has no right to do anything in your life. I don't have all the answers Sometimes as a pastor, I don't have all the answers to your questions. There are only things that God uh, can answer. And there's nothing wrong with having questions either. That's, that's fine. Go, go to God with them. I encourage you to do that. But what I would just encourage you to do, if you are struggling with something in your health, just keep declaring the name of Jesus. Just keep declaring healing over your situation. Amen? And the devil has no right to do anything in your life. Amen? Praise God. We can demolish spiritual strongholds. It talks, Paul talks about we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know, this is what the devil will try and do. The devil will bombard our thought life. Maybe this is me. Is it? Don't leave me hanging on my on my own. You all have perfect thought lives. Amazing, brilliant. i not done. Ian does. Ian's going to speak next week and tell us how to do it. Okay. <laughs> But this is what Paul, what Paul's talking about here, is, and devil will bombard our thought lives, and that can be in lots of different contexts. Okay, I'm not going to go through it into all the contexts this morning. But what Paul says there is to take captive every thought. So in the name of Jesus, we take those thoughts captive, and this is this is the key to to you know to overcoming sin in our life and overcoming temptation in our life. And one we need to understand that we're, we're holy and righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross. We don't see ourselves as some like you know dirty little worm who you know, <laughs> just about just about God's kind of, we just had to beg our way into the kingdom, because that's kind of, that's not helpful teaching, that's rubbish, okay? Yeah, we're, we're made righteous and holy by the, by the blood of Jesus, we're a brand new creation, and the old is gone, and a new has, new has come. So we need to understand who we are in Christ, that's kind of a whole nother teaching in itself, okay? But we need to understand who we are in Christ, but also we take thought, take captive every thought, so when those thoughts come into your head, you know, that's where every temptation to sin, it starts with a thought, everyone agree, right? And some some depending on the context of what the sin is, what the temptation is, I'm not gonna go into them all. Okay, it may not take long before the thought becomes an action. So you kinda of, sometimes you only have like ten seconds, maybe thirty seconds, to actually take that thought captive, because you don't take it captive straight away. It's like you've, you've had it. Not not literally had it, you know what I mean? But you're gonna are fall you're gonna fall into the temptation. But okay? you certainly haven't had it because we confess our sins and faith and just God's faith and just to forgive us. Okay, you haven't had it in that sense. What I mean is but you'll fall into the trap, that's what I mean. Okay. And you remember this this is a spiritual war that we're in. The devil will always be trying to lay traps for you. And just, just, just for a minute, and I think I've got you to do this before, but just, just, just for a second, don't think about it too much because it might not be helpful. Okay? But just, just think about the, probably the biggest thing, the biggest sin, well, not the biggest sin, but the thing that you struggle with the most. Because I know sin is sin is sin. We're not, not, we're not making different grades of sin here when I say the biggest sin. What I mean is but the thing that you, you struggle with the most. Just have a think about what, what is the thing that I struggle with the most that I find the greatest, temp, the thing that I find hardest to overcome temptation in? The reason I'm getting you to think about that, I don't think about it too much because <laughs> I want to be helpful, okay? But, what, but the reason I'm getting you to think about that is for us just to open our spiritual eyes because that's the thing the devil is going to bombard you with. Day after day after day after day after day after day. He'll, want, he'll, he'll try and set traps for you. He, he'll, he'll try and put you in situations where you fall into temptation. So we just need to have our spiritual eyes open. Amen? We can demolish spirit, spiritual strongholds. We can take thought every capsule to make, to make it obedient to Christ. When those thoughts come. Remember, being tempted is not a sin. Even Jesus was tempted in every way. That's what the Bible tells us. So being tempted is not a sin in any way, shape, or form. So don't fall into that trap either. But the devil will try and make you feel bad because you had a bad thought. Because okay? that's, that's what the devil will try and do as well. That's another one of his traps. Is to try and make you feel guilty for something you haven't even done. Okay? It's just a thought that was there. Okay? But we just have to make it obedient to Christ. Amen. So in the name of Jesus, I take that thought captive. I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to think about that. Start filling yourself with, uh, you know, with the word of God. Or put some worship music on or whatever. Just get away from that situation. Whatever you need to do, but take those thoughts captive. In the name of Jesus, devil, you have no right to put thoughts into my head. In Jesus, now my child, of the a living God. I'm not part of the dominion of darkness. I'm part of the kingdom of light. I'm not under your legal authority. I resist you and you must flee. Amen. Praise God. And that's what it says in James. Brings us nicely on to James 4, verse 7. But it says that, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. You know, when we resist, when we do need to be submitted to God, that's absolutely true. Understand it's his authority, amen, that we, that we live under and operate under. But when we, when we understand that, we can resist the devil. He has no choice but to flee. We can, we can take authority in situations in our lives. Amen, let's not be passive Christians. That's why I really just want to encourage you this morning. Is don't, just don't be passive. Amen? It's sometimes seeing our prayers answered. It involves dealing with the unseen spiritual realm. I mean, so, so pray about that. Ask God to reveal stuff to you. Maybe there's, maybe there's stuff that just you need to be aware of what's going on in the spiritual realm. Whatever the context of your prayer might be, maybe you need to ask God that. Okay? Best be people who pray in the authority that Jesus has given us. Pray in his name. And all that's carried on, that incredible name, the name Jesus, Yeshua. I mean the, mean the Lord, meaning mean Yahweh saves, the Lord God Almighty saves. What an incredible name that is. Amen? Amen? The devil has no choice but to flee. I read somewhere once about people who, it was a, it was a Christian book, okay, before you worry about one, i say. It was a Christian book, uh, but it was, it was a book about, um, about people involved in the cult and kind of what stuff that they do, and satanic stuff. And, and what, was, what was interesting about this book is, is it said, you know, they understand how it works. They totally understand about the name of Jesus. And this is go back to what the demons who, who totally knew who Jesus was. And, and people who are involved in the cult, they are terrified of the name of Jesus and terrified of the blood of Jesus. They totally understand. I know they're deceived in lots of ways. Of course, that's true. But one thing they do understand is, that, is the power that's in the name of Jesus, and they're terrified of it. And they totally understand the power that's in the blood of Jesus. Amen? You know, so if the, tar- if the world of darkness can understand this, stuff, how much more so should we understand this? That the power that there is in the name of Jesus in the blood of Jesus Amen. The devil has no choice but to flee. And in those situations that um, personal family situations you might be dealing with, we can pray and take authority over them. In situations that we may face uh, as a church or distinct, we want to see victories Victories in. We can pray and take authority over those situations. Amen. Because of who Jesus is, because of the authority that he carries. Amen. So, it's for people who pray with authority, let's not be passive, let's not be laid back. Let's pray in the name of Jesus and believe for those situations to change in jesus mighty name amen so as we come to a close i want to talk a bit about the armor of god as well because this kind of all fits together i hope you're getting loads out of this i got a lot i got lots out of just preparing this to be to be honest um, so um Ephesians 6 verse 11 says this put on the full armor of god says paul writing again put on the full armor of god so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes now, the arm, armor of God is, 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 so it's a spiritual armor, of course, it's not physical armor, it's a spiritual armor, and it's, it's both defensive and it's offensive. And as, as with all the Bible, we should understand the, uh, the, the culture it was written in and the context in which it was written in. You know, And I believe what Paul would have visualized here would have been a Roman soldier. Yeah. Now, Paul was a Roman citizen himself, himself the Bible tells us. Uh, the Roman, Roman Empire, of course, Israel was under the Roman Empire, all of Pretty much all of Europe was under the Roman Empire when Jesus was on the earth. And Britain, not long after Jesus, was conquered, of course, by the Romans as well. And, um, you know, and Roman soldiers, they were very much feared. They, they were feared. They, they were hated. They were probably the best trained army. This ever, uh, probably true. Arguably, anyway. Arguably the best trained army that there's ever, ever been. They, 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 they were terrifying to people. And this is kind of, this is the, the context of what Paul, I'm sure this is what Paul would have had in his head. Because this is what a soldier was at that time. Right? The Eastern Jews didn't have any soldiers. Not, not not that, not at the time of Jesus, or the time Paul would have been writing this. All the, all the soldiers then were Romans. So this is what Paul would have had in, in his head, a, a kind of a Roman a Roman soldier. And I want to look at two uh, specific aspects of this, and we'll look at a picture on the screen in a minute, but not quite yet. But it's Ephesians 6, verse 16 to 17. Just so want to focus on two kind of aspects of the armor of God, and this kind of could be a whole series in itself, the armor of God, looking at one each week. Okay, but I'm going to go through this quick. But in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So remember the armor of God is offensive and it's defensive. So I'm going to just focus on two main aspects there: the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. Now, the, so Paul's encouraging us to take up the shield of faith. That's how we extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy. This is why it matters so when we pray, whether we're praying in, in faith. Okay, whether we're praying with faith and expectation. I said what I said earlier about healing, and of course I meant, meant that, okay. But, but of course faith does have a huge part to play in seeing the, the, every arrow of the enemy, every kind of weapon of the enemy that would try and come against us to rise up in faith and say, no, devil, you have no right to do that in my life. To take up the shield of faith. Every, every flaming arrow he can try and fire at you, it will not be successful. Isaiah 54, verse 17 says, No weapon formed against us can prosper, will prosper. Amen? Do we believe that this morning? No, no weapon of the enemy or any of his spiritual hordes has any right to prosper in our lives. Amen? But we have the we have responsibility in that to take up the shield of faith. And to pray and declare with faith and expectation of who we are in Christ. Amen? And also to use the Word of God as a weapon. The sword of the Spirit. That's what Paul says. The sword, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the armour of God is offensive and it's defensive. And the shield of faith is it, it's, it's defensive. And it protects us. when we pray in faith and declare in faith and pray in the authority that God has given us. Amen. But also, it's, it's offensive as well. And the sword of the Spirit is offensive. And it says it's, it's the Word of God. We, you know, the Word of God itself is a weapon. And, and again, too many Christians, if I can say this, I think too many Christians, they don't know what the Word of God says. You know, and, you know, and so I just really encourage you just to, just to get to know your Bible. I've heard it described as have a relationship with your Bible, understand what your Bible, what your Bible says. If you just stuff you don't understand, ask God to reveal it to you or go and speak to one of the leaders or someone who speaks into your life and ask them to explain it, explain it to you, but to know Scripture and to use Scripture. Amen. Jesus was a great example of this as he was not everything while well, he was tempted in the desert, wasn't he? Three three times he was tempted by the devil. And, and, and all three responses, what well, is it written? Yeah, the devil, devil did not argue with what Jesus said. Because, again, just it's like, just like people, who, the devil or people involved in the occult and stuff, they, 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 they fear the blood of Jesus and they fear the name of Jesus. They also fear the word of God. They know what it says. And they know the power that's held within it. They, they totally get it. The devil did not argue with anything Jesus said, did they? Did he? Jesus came, came back with, It's written. So I'd encourage you all to be people who know scripture and to use scripture. Amen. If, if you're dealing with a difficult situation or dealing with a healing situation, to be preaching scripture over your situation, you know, by his wounds that I am healed. I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of a living. Find, find scriptures that speak into your specific situation. Amen. Because there is so much power, it is, it is the sword that moves you forward. And also this kind of comes coming towards a close now. This also fits in with where we all are together as a a corporate body of believers. You can put up that picture. That would be really helpful, Paul. Thank you. So also, there's so much power. So there's so much power in us individually as, as we protect ourselves with the shield of faith and we advance with the sword of the Spirit. But also when we do this all together as a church, how powerful that is. And this is a picture of, of the Roman army and how the Roman army used to work. And this was something they invented. I don't think anyone's ever done it since either. Okay. And this is called the... i asked Wendy about this stuff because she teaches it. Uh, but this is called the tortoise. And you can see why it's called the tortoise. Okay. This is kind of their, their formation and what they used to do. They'd like put the shields above their, above their heads and as they advanced on castles or battlements, or whatever, then arrows basically couldn't get anywhere. This, remember, this is what Paul would have had in mind. This is the soldier that Paul would have had in his head. When it's right, I oh, know it's under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's not just in his head. You know what I mean? This, but this is the image Paul would have had in his head, right? That when you put up the shield of faith, you can extinguish every flaming arrow of the evil one. This is why they did that, so the arrows, so the arrows couldn't get in. And as they all did it together, they all protected each other. And then you see the kind of the guys at the front have also got their swords stuck out. And this is why they'd be, so, and this is what they would do. They would march for hundreds or sometimes like thousands of miles. This is why they're doing this all across Europe, take, taking land here, there, and everywhere. Because they were just so well protected and could also advance in such a powerful way together. And basically nothing could stand against them in a natural sense. So this is the image that Paul had in his head. And this is what, this is what happens in the, in the heavenlies. And then when we all grasp this, the authority, knowing who we are in Jesus, understanding what he's done on the cross... What that means for us, that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him, the legal authority or legal spiritual authority that, that Adam and Eve, through deception, gave to the devil. That that's, that's done and dusted, that's over. The second Adam has put all that right. Amen? Praise God. All authority on heaven and earth has been, has been given to Jesus, and he wants us to go in that authority, to go and make disciples of all nations. And we can wear the armor of God. We can take up the shield of faith so that no arrow can, can get through, and we can all do that corporately together. And we can take up our take up our swords, which is, which is the word of God, and declare that and pray that over our over our situations and see see breakthroughs. But how powerful is what a great! I think that's such a great picture of what, what a church is. Now a church church could advance, and although these shields, as I said, shields are kind of defensive, they they would be able to advance. They said right across right throughout the uh, the known world at the time, the Europe, by doing this all together because they were protected and they could advance. Amen. And that's what God wants us to do. And when we kind of talk about this stuff, I so often have in my head kind of like the, the image of just leave that, just leave the picture up there of of David and Goliath, and, and and the way David deals with Goliath. And again, we haven't got time to look at the scriptures because time's going quick. But have my head kind of about David and Goliath and what happened with Goliath, and, and Goliath would come out when when I'm reading through one Samuel um, at the moment. As so you can read that in one Samuel seventeen and eighteen, I think it is, and. How, how Goliath, would, this, this, this giant of a guy, who would come out and he would go to the Israelites day after day after day. And David, who, who, who was just a, a man after God's own heart, as how the Bible describes him, he was like, "Who does this? This, this is, I'm basically I'm paraphrasing here. Okay, this is basically the gist of it. David would come, King David, or oh, wasn't king quite yet? Okay, well, not, had been anointed, but wasn't kind of walking in that place of being the king. Anyway, and and he was like, "Who does this guy think that he is? This was basically David's attitude, wasn't it? Who does this guy think that he is? Who do you think that he is that he could defy the armies?" of a living god who is who is this uncircumcised philistine who does this guy think that he is he thinks that he can defeat us and this this is how we have to deal with giants in our lives yeah. amen yeah. who does the devil think that he is to do this in our in our lives he's got no right he's got no legal authority over my life or over my family's life amen yeah. who, do, who does he think that he is who do demons think that they are that they could they can try and usurp the authority that jesus won through the cross who do they think they are any, any spiritual forces in this, in this area that may be, you know, uh, trying to stop what this church is doing, and what other churches are doing, trying to stop the kingdom of God growing in this area. Who do they think they are? Right? He's, amen? You know, we're people, we're people, we're the armies of the living God. Amen. Put God on our side. Yeah. Amen? You know, we will see victory, uh, see victory through him. Amen? And I believe as a church, we will advance advance together when we walk in that same authority of of that picture. And I'm just going to—I just encourage you to stand to your feet. I just want to pray over you this morning. You know, maybe it's in your life right now, there's some giants, some giants that you're facing. You know, it can feel like a Goliath in your life. I just want to just encourage you. Uh, this morning is to stand up against that giant who do these giants think that they are who do they think they are they can stand against the armies of a living god they can stand against us as, as children of, uh, of a living god people who operate under the, the authority of the king of kings and the lord of Lords. who do these circumstances think they are who do these demons think that they are who do these spiritual forces uh, think that they are that they can try and stop the word of god who stop what god wants to do you know, we, we sung that this morning, God cannot be stopped. You know, so often I think about this in terms of the church. You know, Jesus said that even he will build his church, even the gates of Hades cannot overcome what God wants to do. You know, for, for 2,000 years, people have been preaching the demise of the church. You still hear loads out in society about how the church is going to be stopped and, and how Christianity is no longer going to be growing. It's all, it's all rubbish. As people have been saying for thousands of years, there are more Christians on the planet now than there have ever been in history. This is reality. And so often we can have a westernized uh, kind of view, uh, view of society. Remember, 90% of the planet don't live in Europe or the United States. You have, have to remember, n- only 10% of the planet live in Europe and the United States. And so often we have a very westernized view of how the world is. And people talk about the demise of the church. and Not many people go to churches as, as, as they used to. And maybe that's true. Maybe people, a lot of people used to go for religious reasons. There could be all sorts of factors in that. But the reality is the church is exploding all over the world. It's estimated there's 150 million Christians just in China. Where it's heavily persecuted. Amen? This, this is what God's doing. Amen? That he will build his church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell themselves cannot overcome. This is the authority that we can walk in. Amen? Praise God. Anyway, let's pray. <laughs> so I'll going to another message otherwise. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord God, Lord, all authority on heaven and earth. Just, if you can speak in tongues, I'd encourage you to speak in tongues. As soon you're praying, just praying out loud and praying over our situations. Lord, thank you, Lord, all spiritual authority on heaven and earth, Lord, has been given to you. Thank you, Lord, that, that all that, that Adam and Eve lost through deception, Lord God, you've restored as a second Adam, Lord God. Lord, that we can go in that same authority, just like, James, just like Peter and John, Lord, and that, and that guy who was, that, the beggar who was, who was miraculously healed and wasn't even looking for healing, Lord, because they declared in the name of Jesus that that guy was healed. I pray we'll walk in that same authority, understanding who we are in you, understanding who we are on the winning side. Lord, we declare, Lord, over any situations that people may be facing right now, any Goliaths, Lord, in their life, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, that you will bring those giants down. Lord, we say to those giants, you have no, you have no right, the devil, you must flee, Demon. Demons, you must flee. You have no right to stand against children of a living God. Who do you think you are? You have, you have no right. And we stand against you in Jesus' name. We say you are defeated. We've been defeated through the cross and in the authority that's been delegated to us. In the name of Jesus, we just declare defeat over you in the mighty name of Jesus. We declare health and wholeness and restoration and provision. Lord God, we declare, Lord, people, Lord, the spouses, Lord, coming to know you, Lord, family members who may have gone away from you, Lord. We declare, that you, Lord, that you will, Lord, Lord, restore the prodigals. Lord, but you do what only you can do. Lord, in every situation, Lord, you can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Because all authority, Lord, it belongs to you. All power belongs to you. Lord, and everything you desire to do through this church, and Lord, in every church across this area. Lord, I thank you, Lord, even the gates of Hades themselves, the gates of hell, Lord, cannot stop. Lord, what will you want to do? Because you will build your church. You declared that, Lord, it was true then and it's still true now, Lord, that you will build your church. And I pray, Lord, in this, in this, in this church, in Family Church, Waterside and all the churches across this area, Lord, that your church church will be built lord your kingdom lord will grow lord your kingdom lord will have total dominion lord in this area we pray against every spiritual force that would try and stop churches from doing what you desire them to do in this area we just stand against them. in the mighty name of jesus we say they have no right to have dominion or rule over this area we just declare your authority in the mighty name of jesus We say you are king and you are lord thank you jesus now we want to be people that walk in your authority Thank you, Lord God. Lord, reveal, Lord, more of that authority taught to us. Lord, maybe we see so many breakthroughs, Lord, in, in our prayer life, Lord God. We look forward to all the testimonies, Lord, are going to come as a result, Lord, of what you have done. You are so good. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 God is good. Amen. <laughs> he is so good. <laughs> ah, praise God. That's good. It's a good end to the series, right? Yeah. Praise God. And, and there's been loads of great feedback across the number of weeks we'll be talking about prayer so don't forget any of those you can listen to on spotify as well um we've got loads of great series already planned for next year as well it's only a month till next year <laughs> so, so, so anyway it's crazy it? anyway um so we've got loads of great series planned for next year as well so it's really really exciting stuff it's gonna be gonna be good god's gonna do some amazing stuff So.